O'Neal deep in the post, lots of contact there. Oh, what a block by Wallace what? on a jump ball. Pistons down four, 12-8, 7-38 to play the first half. Burst from Rodney, stuck into the rim. Countdown, baby, and a foul. Reggie inside for Andre, oh. and a dynamite dunk. Hello, folks, and welcome to another edition of the Palace of Pistons podcast, episode 65, coming at you here today. Aaron Johnson and Dominic Scaturro here. Brendan Johnson and Ryan Pay, both late game scratches. Ryan Pay texts at midnight in the group chat, says, Hey, can't make it. I've I'm, I'm got stuff going on all day, can't be there. Brendan Johnson texts the day of and says, hey, you got you to gotta just do it without me. I can't make it back in time. So both of them, late game, bailing on me. It's okay. Got a better co-host with me than either of them. Both of them combined. Dominic here with me. And we're going to talk about a slew of things today. We'll go Pistons. We'll go NBA Combine. We'll go NBA Playoffs. We'll talk about the Cleveland Cavaliers. We're going to hit on a whole bunch of different topics. But first, we'll start with a Pistons-related topic, and that is a roster changing move, something that the Pistons could look into doing. Uh, The New Orleans Pelicans at the NBA lottery, they end up with the number one pick in the draft, which gives them the opportunity to draft Zion Williamson with the first pick. And what I think they should do is begin their full-on rebuild. You know, they already have Anthony Davis wanting out. They're looking to trade him this offseason. They also have another big-name player that they could look to move, and that is combo guard Drew Holiday. Drew, a, a, a Six six three six four point guard that uh, can play the two as well would be an ideal option for the Pistons if they're looking to make an upgrade over Reggie Jackson, or they could even play him alongside Reggie Jackson. But with the Pelicans getting that first pick and having that opportunity to uh, trade Davis and trade Holiday and bring in a bunch of assets to restart uh, with Zion and whoever else they can bring together, should the Pistons be making a call to New Orleans to check on Drew Holiday's availability? I think absolutely you make the call. What's it hurt to make the call? It's a guy that we already know they've looked at going after to get uh, previously. And obviously you look at his stats and you see that 21.2 points per game, 7.7 rebounds per game. I mean, you know, those are nice numbers to have in a backcourt with, you know, the uh, frontcourt that the Pistons are already putting out. And he's a consistent um, high energy, proven point guard in the NBA. And I think it's something that Ed Stefanski should definitely look into. And I think in addition to that, another phone call they could make, I saw Rod Beard talking about this, you know, what does um, the Memphis Grizzlies moving up to number two due to Conley's trade value? Does that, you know, lessen the, the load that we would have to give up for him as well. So there's a couple guards out there now with that crazy lottery that we saw. Um, you know, I, honestly, the last five years of the lottery have been, you know, not too entertaining, and they really made up for it with this year's. It's just unbelievable. Uh, and uh, I think everything kind of fell the Pistons' way, even though they're not in the lottery. Everything in terms of hypothetical situations that they could get into with, like you said, Drew, or maybe Conley again. I think there's a couple guards out there that they can look at. And any phone call that you can make to help this roster right now before we even get close to the draft or July is a good phone call to make. Yeah, I mean, you look at Holiday's stats, over 21 points, nearly 8 assists, 5 rebounds, shot over 47% from the field last year. 
did shoot just 32.5% from the three-point line, but for his career, 35.5%, nearly 36% three-point shooter. And, and you look at what else he brings defensively, one of the elite defensive guards in the NBA, an all-NBA defensive team candidate, year in and year out, brings that versatility as a guy that can play as the primary guard and also play as the secondary guard. And he's, you know, a competitor, a guy that I think would mesh well chemistry-wise with a Blake Griffin and, and, you know, the city of Detroit and where this team wants to go. Mike Conley, another good name that you bring up as well. He's another guy averages over 21 points per game, averaged over six assists per game last year. Uh, but you got to look at what, what it's going to cost for both of those guys. And I think you spend more to acquire a guy like True Holiday than you would Mike Conley just because of uh, Holiday's age, Holiday's production, um, you know, the years on the contract. You probably spend more to get him than you would Conley, but either of those guys would be an upgrade for Detroit when you look at their guard situation. And we know that they're not fully committed to Reggie Jackson. They're going to be looking to make upgrades at the point guard spot. But then you also got to look at that price point of what the Pistons can give. And you, and you look at their assets, and you know it's Luke Kennard, it's Bruce Brown, Kyrie Thomas, Thon Maker, and Sfima Hailuk. Those are really their five player assets as young pieces um, that they can trade. You know, Andre Drummond's another young guy, but probably not a guy you're trading in a deal to get either of these two players. And then picks-wise this year, they have the 15th pick, they have the 45th pick in the draft, and then they own all their first-round picks for the foreseeable future. Uh, so... They do have some assets, and can they make a trade for either of these guys? Yeah, they probably could. I think that New Orleans could probably do better off for Holiday elsewhere. I think they could get a better package unless unless Detroit's willing to put together multiple first-round picks with a guy like Luke Conard or maybe Bruce Brown and Kyrie Thomas. Then you got to match salary with Holiday's bigger contract as well. But I think you can get Conley at a little bit of a cheaper price. I know at the trade deadline... Uh, the offer on the tables, the, the offer on the table that was talked about was Reggie Jackson, Luke Kennard, and a first-round pick. Detroit didn't budget that, so maybe they can kind of come together on some some sort of different deal that maybe involves, you know, Reggie Jackson, the first-round pick this year, and maybe uh, a Sfima Hailuk or a lower c- caliber guy. But uh, those are two guys that I think the Pistons should definitely be looking in to upgrading. And I think it begs the question, considering the price point of what Holiday would cost and what Conley would cost. Who would you rather the Pistons make that move for? Uh, well, I think it's going to be easier to go after Drew because Memphis is attached to Conley just because he's a franchise guy. And we saw that at the deadline. You know, He's starting to get up there in age, uh, even though his stats are so really good. But his trade value, I don't think, is you know just as good as what they think it is in Memphis. And I think that just comes from a result. This is a guy that they really don't want to have to let go of if, if they can hold on to him, uh, especially, you know, how much the fan base loves him. But uh, as for Holiday, I think that um, I think that what we offered or what they asked us to offer was fair originally. Uh, at this point, after the way that Luke Kennard played in the second half of the season, I don't think I'm willing to give him up. Um, and I really like that 15th pick with who they have available to, uh, to see and, and try to go get. So I'm not sure uh, what the Pistons uh, would want to do because of our lack of assets, but um, I, I think they have a better chance to go get Drew and it's somebody that would fit really well. Uh, I know you and I have talked about this before, but Reggie only having one year on his deal left and having played all 82 games this year, obviously the chemistry's already there with Dre and Blake. I'm not sure that I'm willing to give up too many assets for both of these guards that are really, really good. 
Um, but, you know, it's it's just all kinds of options that the Pistons have to weigh right now, and that's a good thing for this franchise. Yeah, well, the thing is, I think I lean the opposite way as you. I think it'd be easier to get Conley because he's getting older, and with you, when you look at what Memphis is going to do with that second overall pick, it's already been reported that they're locked in on John Morant uh, as their guy. So with, with Morant coming in, that's a point guard. They also traded for DeLon Wright in the trade that where they sent Marcus Saul to Toronto. That's another point guard. Plays a little bit of off guard as well, but primarily a point guard. So they have two young point guards already in the system, assuming that they stick with Morant. Which makes Conley, although he is that franchise guy that that you know one of the founding fathers of the grit and grind Grizzlies, it's almost like you kind of have to make that trade. You have to move on from him, as tough as that is. Whereas the Pelicans with True Holiday, they necessarily don't want to move him. At least that's what David Griffin, the new general manager, has said. I think that they know that there's a, a potential need or a potential help to move him to, to bring in the assets necessary to begin that full-scale rebuild and I you know I definitely think they're just trying to say the right things out especially in the media to say they don't want to trade holiday I think if they said they wanted to trade holiday that'd be kind of decreasing his value with you know New Orleans basically saying we don't really want him anymore but I think it'd be easier to get Conley because of the roster that Memphis will have come the draft as well as the cost that Conley will have compared to Holiday, where I think Detroit would be able to give up less to bring in Conley than they would for Holiday, who I personally think very highly of. Again, a very good two-way guard, an elite defensive guard, uh, has shown great strides offensively throughout his career, averaged over 21 points per game this year. The three-point shooting wasn't great, but for his career, he's been respectable from that area, pretty much the same as Reggie Jackson. So uh, that's, you know, that's kind of where I'm at with that debate but let's move into some draft talk the NBA combine going on during Thursday and today here on Friday the Pistons were busy on Thursday meeting with a slew of prospects they met with Casey Okapala from Stanford that's a 6'9 small forward they met with Calvin Johnson a wing from Kentucky they met with Ty Jerome a combo guard from Virginia they met with Jordan Poole another combo guard out of Michigan, Nazir Little, the once top-rated prospect coming into coming into last season in the NCAA play, six uh, six forward, and then Jordan Bone, a six three point guard from Tennessee. Those are the guys that the Pistons reportedly met with at the combine. Uh, but with that 15th pick, they also have the 40 45th pick. Not sure anyone on this list outside of uh, Jordan Bone is really a second round guy. So you know everyone else is, I think, a first round candidate. Ty Jerome. Probably a back-end first-round, early second-round. Wouldn't be there at 45, most likely. But out of these guys they talk to, anyone stand out for you? I think that Jordan Bone really stands out as an emerging guy that could be a great NBA player. I know you mentioned that he's probably a second-round guy. I think that's somebody that they really are going to start to look with uh, that 45th pick at taking, or maybe moving around the second round to be available to get him when he's still available. Uh, obviously had a great year at the University of Tennessee, has good size for his position. And, you know, reading off some of the stuff that he did at the Combine yesterday, uh, three-fourth court sprint, Jordan Bone did it in 3.03 seconds. Uh, that's faster than Derrick Rose, and it's also faster than what Russell Westbrook did, two of the faster point guards in the NBA. And uh, he also 
his max vert was 42 and a half inches. Derrick Rose was 40, and Russell Westbrook was 36 and a half. That's uh, via Luis Fernandez Jr. on Twitter. Uh, obviously, a really good day at the combine for for Bone, and uh, it seems like this is a guy that could be a sneaky good uh, draft pick. And I really like him. Obviously, Ty Jerome, I think, uh, is a, another good player. Keldon Johnson um, and Nasir Little, those are all going to be guys that are going to be kind of in that 10 uh, like 17 range that the Pistons will be picking at. Uh, I've looked at Nasir Little as a kid that has a lot of athleticism. Uh, the statistics weren't necessarily overwhelming this past year at North Carolina. But um, I don't know. Personally, for me, I'm kind of done with uh, the Pistons taking people based off athleticism after Stanley Johnson experiment and ETC. You know, we've kind of done that last few years. I want guys that have kind of shown us through the numbers that, you know, they can make their shots and uh, maybe come in and have an impact on the on the scoreboard right away. Uh, I think the Pistons have a lot of guys on the team already that, that can do those different things in the NBA like Blake and Andre, uh, the little, the smaller things. And I don't think we really necessarily need like a Nasir Little uh, even though a size and, you know, we kind of don't have the depth at that position. But um, I think that personally for me, Nasir Little will be the guy on this list that I'm not exactly huge on uh, for the prospects that are going to be there at 15. Um, and then another guy in the second round that we've talked about before, Bruno Fernando, back up Andre at center would be another good look. Um, Ooh, but, Fernando's Fernando's been soaring in mock drafts. Yeah, He's yeah, he is. Near a that lot. end of the lottery, almost. yeah, so, almost. Yeah, unfortunately, yeah, I know for us, uh, yeah. you and I, <laughs> and Ryan us. as well, we've all been in on that Bruno Fernando hype. Yeah, yeah. Apparently, I think, we were I a little think, early. Yeah, I think we were just a little <laughs> early to it as he soared up mock drafts. Uh, unfortunately, I don't think the Pistons are going to be able to get him. But um, yeah, Bone had a great, great day at the combine. That always impacts where you go in the draft you know those great days really do mean a lot especially the testing I mean even if you don't uh, participate or do too well in the scrimmages those those testing numbers uh, they just they bring a lot to the table for teams to think about for teams to dream about and Bone certainly did well in that res- respect I'm definitely with you on Nazir Little I want to stay away from him I know Pistons Twitter has screamed the the Stanley Johnson comparison and there's honestly very, very much kind of true, I think. There's two guys that have good size. They're they're built, you know, big. Uh, they're defensive prospects with some athleticism, but struggled shooting the ball. I mean, all those things, very comparable to Stanley Johnson. The guy I like most out of who the Pistons met with yesterday is Casey Agpala. Played two years at Sanford, averaged over 21 points per game, shot 37.5% from the three-point line. Just a guy that I really like based off his size, you know the, the what he was able to do at Stanford. Uh, he could finish at the rim with some nice moves. Not necessarily a guy that's gonna beat you off the dribble and do all this, all this, you know, thing, all these type of things, shot creation wise. But when he does drive to the basket, he's got some nice moves. Uh, more of a sophisticated skill set where he kind of waits for that that right moment to make his move towards the basket and then is smooth inside. Can finish with some athleticism as well. I know there's been some some knock on what he can do athletically based on uh, how fast he is, but can still you know finish with some ferocity at ferocity at the rim. Uh, is is a talented player and has good length, which is what I'm really looking yeah. for for that, the Pistons at the small size, forward. That, that size, size is a big really thing, you know, six nine, uh, you know, good wingspan, and he has that. And yep. you look at what he did shooting wise. The Pistons need a guy that can shoot. Didn't finish, you know, with. Ex- 
extremely great numbers inside, but just from watching film, it, you know, he has the moves to, to finish at the rim. Uh, but, you know, that's going to come with growth again. Only uh, played two seasons at Stanford. The guy that I'm still holding on to as I just think the Pistons should, should take him at 15, and I've been high on him uh, since I started, you know, watching North Carolina a lot in the regular Cam? season, is Cam yeah. Johnson. Yep. I know Johnson started off the season as, you know, a back-end, second-round pick, early second-round pick he climbed up to. Now there's talk of him. Being a, you know, a first-round prospect, I know he's a little bit older. I believe he's already 23, maybe yep. 24. Yeah, he's 24. Um, but the best shooter in college basketball, or, or one of the top three to five, whatever, you know, but a top shooter, has great size at 6'9". And I know there was some knock on, on if he's really a three in the NBA. I know he spent some time at the three and four at North Carolina. Watched you know, another full game of him today. Adding that to the list of film that I've watched on him, and, and I really just don't see all the issues with him defending NBA threes. He did struggle a couple times against some quicker guards, but those were guards; they're not small forwards. And and ultimately against you know the small forwards that I've watched him compete against, I think he's ultimately done a fine job. He's not going to win any Defensive Player of the Year awards. He's not going to be on any All NBA defensive teams, but he can be a serviceable defender, and he's a guy that. For a Pistons team looking to win now, you can plug in and you can play whether they, they have to end up starting him or they use him uh, you know, in a, a 15, 20-minute per game off the bench roll. He's a guy that could contribute to winning right off the bat because he has the experience of you know playing four seasons of college basketball. He has the, the shooting touch. He has a basketball IQ. He's a good rebounder. He uses his size and that asset and that facet really well. Uh, he's not a great ball handler. He's not a great passer. But you're not going to get that with all these players, especially guys that are maybe first-round prospects, maybe second-round prospects. That's a guy I'm willing for the Pistons to just kind of take, even though it's somewhat of a reach. And let's be honest, if he was quicker, if he could pass, if he could uh, handle the basketball more, he would have been drafted two years ago. Yeah. You know, you're not going to get perfect prospects at 15, and the Pistons are looking for a cost-control guy to, to contribute to the roster. This is a guy that I think could step in right away and do that. Um, but, you know, the NBA Combine continues today. We'll have, you know, more coverage of that today on at Palace of Pistons on Twitter. We'll, we'll, we'll talk about who they meet with at, at today at the Combine. I'm sure there will be another five or six names that drop as to who met with the Pistons. We'll add that to the list. But Hopefully Cam. Yeah, we'll, we'll <laughs> see about Cam Johnson because that's a guy I'm, I'm really that's, locked That's my to. guy, too. Okay. I, out of everybody that I've watched film on and looked at the numbers, that's who I want, like, no doubt, at 15. Um, obviously, that's pending the combine, but um, that that's really, you know, that's, that's who I've seen, like you said, watching full games and stuff. I mean, Cam, people don't talk about it. He was injured at Pitt for, for a minute, so... You know, you didn't see him play one one of those full years, um, and he's really just a guy that's had that time to work on his game, and um, he's he's just he's one of those guys that I could see hitting. You know, and like, he could have done more at UNC. I mean, he had to share the ball with Luke May, who was you know yep. a very good college basketball player. He was you know the, the one of the lead players in their offense. Probably touched the ball. More than anyone on that team had Kobe White he was working yep. with, who was going to be a top, maybe he could end up in, inside the top 10 the way he's kind of risen up mocks as well. That's a guy yeah. who we're looking at, you know, probably beginning of the tournament as a guy that the Pistons could look at at 15. He's probably jumped all the way inside the top 10. Oh, yeah, for and then, sure. And then, you know, there's 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 Nazir Little who was coming off the bench. 
There were so many guys. The team was loaded. Yeah, Garrison loaded. Brook was getting touches down low. There were so many guys for UNC where Cam Johnson couldn't, you know, he wasn't the, the most He's not the primary player. guy, he yeah. Got, he got his three-point shooting opportunities, got a few post-ups here and there, but ultimately wasn't a high, heavily featured guy in that offense, just kind of got his you know his shots to go as being a very efficient shooter and making the most of his opportunities. So that's a guy that I just think you can plug in. Sneaky and he's going to have a positive yep. impact. Yeah, and for the Pistons back, or uh, front court, excuse me, that they already have, um, you know, you plug him in, he's a guy that's going to get buckets. You know, you have Andre, who defended great this past year. You have Blake that will do some good defending, and then, you know, you don't need, like you said, Cam Johnson to be, you know, just this stout, unreal defender. Just come in, he can play respectable defense, and he's going to get his shot, and I think that's exactly what the Pistons need, and, uh, you know, hopefully he has a great day at the, uh, not too good of a day, but a a good day for us at the Combine today, Um, and just one more thing to piggyback off what you said about KZ, any guy that plays at a school like Stanford in his NBA draft prospect is a guy you should definitely be looking at. <laughs> I mean, you know, if you if you go to a high-end academic school like Stanford, you know, your IQ typically, that's, a, that's a definitely a dude that you should be looking at, especially with his size. And uh, I think going back to what you said the last thing about him, you look at these other guys that we have on here that they met, Kentucky, Virginia, Tennessee, Michigan, North Carolina. These are teams that are constantly covered, national TV games, in the tournament. Stanford's not that. You know, they're not necessarily that blue blood level. So you don't see as much of of KZ. And, you know, I think that's another guy that sneaky good. And I think that's what we're trying to hit on at 15 right here for the Detroit Pistons. Another guy I wanted to talk about who I'm sure will be meeting with the Pistons today, one of those kind of question mark prospects is Kevin Porter Jr. Uh, and and you look at what he did at uh, at his in his first season playing college basketball coming out as a freshman but nine and a half points per game shot 41 percent from the three point line uh, pl- coming out of USC only started four games from only played twenty two games for them I came you know he was also suspended at some point during the season so this is a guy that has a lot of mystery around him mm-hmm. some smoke around him uh, I know there's Guys that are very high on what Porter can do. There are also guys like myself that are very worried about what Porter will be able to do at the NBA level. Just kind of want to get your thoughts on where he stands in, in terms of should the Pistons be interested in him. Definitely, I think, should be interested. I, I mean, there's going to be guys that have question marks every year, right? And he's probably the biggest name in there that has those mystery question marks of, you know, do we have to worry about off-the-court stuff? What do we have to think about the amount of games that he played this year? And he only started four. You know, just a sample size. You know, there's there's always going to be a couple of those guys that really could be, you know, a top five level talent, but they could also be just a complete bust because of the question marks. But I don't think that should sway if you're picking 15th, the interest that you should have in this kid, you know. You look at uh, his offensive game, his ability to create his own shot. His three-point shooting was what was his three-point shooting percentage? Over forty-one. Over yeah, yeah. On so, three attempts per game, so he can shoot. He the can ball. shoot the ball, and I think that 
I, I, you know, as a fan a little more so than um, media type perspective, this kid's got a little flash to him. You know, he can get up. He's got some bunnies. He's an exciting guy to watch. Um, I, I definitely think that it's something that they should look at. I think the combine will tell a lot about him in in the meeting that they have with him. You know, I think that's one guy that they're definitely going to sit down with and interview. I think his interview will tell a lot, and I think that um, the numbers that he puts up, the specs he puts up at the combine, will really answer our questions more so about where he's going to be at. You know, I think he has the potential to move himself into the lottery. I also think he has the potential to move himself into the second round. So I think really today at the Combine is this is when we're going to find out what he's made of. But I think the one thing that I'm concerned about from watching him in film is, and I, this might be a little picky, his shot release time, catch and shoot time, a little slow. For college, I think you can get away with that a little more uh, from three setting up your shot and having a long release time. But he has really good shooting form. Um, you know, that and go back to Stanley again. That was one thing with Stanley that he had this unique shooting form in college, even though he made the shots. Um, you know, it didn't translate in the NBA. Was, you know, the form and the amount of time that he needed to get his shot off didn't translate. I think that's one thing they could be a little picky on about worrying about with Kevin Porter Jr. But other than that, like I said, kid with a lot of flash, um, exciting guy to watch. He's gonna create his own shot, he's gonna score. And, um, you know, just a lot of question marks, but definitely interest. Should be interest for sure. My concerns with Porter are he's just 6'6", so he's he's kind of a fringe small forward in the NBA. And we know how much the Pistons needed size at the small forward spot yes, yes. last season. We know that's another need for them going into next season. So that kind of concerns me. Another thing that concerns me is his assist-to-turnover ratio. Averaged more turnovers per game than he did assists. Oof. He had a 12% assist percentage, had an 18% turnover percentage. I'm not necessarily a super high usage, had a 23.3% usage. So just not all that efficient in creating for others. Sure, he was able to create a shot for himself. No, he likes that step back in the mid-range. Yep. No, he can hit the three-pointer. But... He's just not a great creator for others. And not that he has to be, I mean, but yeah. when he's going to handle the basketball and he's going to have those opportunities to create for himself, when defenses zone in on him, he's going to have to be able to use those mm-hmm. opportunities where he would be creating for himself to create for others. And what he did at the college level just doesn't suggest that he's necessarily going to be able to do that. Sure, he can grow. Would we'll never say he couldn't. Only played one season, so he's coming out as a freshman. He's super young. There's just a lot of raw talent there. But just my concerns there kind of... Turn me away from him more than I would a guy like Cam Johnson, who I want to stress, if you're looking to take that star potential kind of pick, if you're the Pistons, Cam Johnson isn't that guy. Oh, you don't think so? I I don't know. I think just because of the amount that um, he wasn't the primary guy where he can get you know, a lot more offensive game around the NBA level where he's going to, because of his size and his scoring ability, I think it'll be more centered around him than, like, you know, he had Luke May taken away from that game. And the injuries in college and his age, his experience, like a Kyle Kuzma, I think he could be, I, I think, but I'd like to hear what, what you think who, or who that that guy is at 15 that's your uh, Kawhi or your Giannis. Yeah, yeah. yeah well, it's, 15. it's not Cam Johnson because... You know, especially if he's taken by the Pistons, he's not going to be put in a role where he's expected and given the opportunity to do, to do all that much true, because true. Blake and, and Andre and whoever they have a point guard right now, Reggie, are going to be taking a lot of the touches, especially if Luke Kennard enters the starting lineup. But he's just kind of going to be that plug-in fifth guy that gets his touches here and there and isn't a negative on the court. 
Um, but he's already you know 24. I think you know as far as development goes, there's not too much to go with him. I just more so think he's going to be a very good role player and a guy that right off the bat helps you win basketball games. If you're looking for a, a, a superstar kind of fringe pick, a guy with that you know maybe superstar potential that he's able to unlock, I don't think it's Cam Johnson because I just think he's going to be a very good role player and just that. But there's also that that spark with a guy like Kevin Porter where you only got to see him for one season. His role was limited. He's come out and said all the right things at the combine. You know, he's talked about how his suspension has has helped him mature and he realizes, you know, uh, how that helped him become the man he is today and you have that intrigue around a guy like Kevin Porter. Um, you know, where that, oh, maybe he could blow up and become an all-star level player. Yeah, Didn't yeah. get to see him in, you know, a huge role. Didn't get to see him all too much. So there's that mystique around him in that area. So if you're looking for that, we want to try to take a home run at 15, maybe Kevin think, Porter's yeah, your guy. That's, that's yeah, aside from, I think Cam could be a star. That's my personal opinion. But to your point, the guy that, if you're trying to hit that home run, who would you take? It's Kevin Porter Jr. I agree with you on that for sure. Yeah, so that's just kind of where I stand with on him, and I, and I've had a couple conversations with different people with you know guys that kind of like what Kevin Porter does, but ultimately I'm just too worried about you know his ability to create for others compared to what he's able to create for himself, his size, and what the Pistons need. Because the way I'm looking at the draft is what do the Pistons need most, and I, I'm not sure he's the guy. I'm- that, that fits the Pistons' needs the, best. The good thing about him is that, you know, you're not – we're setting up for him to, you know, chuck you – know, if, if we're looking for him to get assists, you know, this isn't a team that, you know, I'm not ready for Kevin Porter Jr. to come in and, and work on his assist game to throw Langston Galloway a corner three beautiful pass for him to brick it three times a game. <laughs> <laughs> but – but I mean, and like I think that's one thing that he can get away with as a as a young player, and that's something that Dwayne Casey, the whisperer of young prospects, can work on with him is making him less sloppy with with the ball. But I mean, yeah, like who this Pistons? Honestly, we're not an assist team. We're you know Blake backing in and playing bully ball and maybe kicking it off a guy coming off a screen like Reggie and hitting a three. You know, like it's a very isolated and you know, find your own shot, you know, everybody for themselves type offense. Mm -hmm. Um, So I'm not necessarily too worried about him. And I mean, last thing about Kevin Porter Jr., that boy can dunk. And that's something that I love to see. It'd be exciting to watch next year. I mean, if you watch his highlights at USC, make some really exciting plays. So yeah, that'd be the home run guy for sure. Well, let's still talk about college, but only half college, half NBA. (laughs) Some big news dropped on Monday morning that... Michigan head coach John Beeline was leaving Michigan in college basketball to become the head coach of the Cleveland Cavaliers. Not only is that a major loss for Michigan, but that's going to be huge for the Cavaliers. I think John Beeline is going to be fantastic for a young NBA team. This is overdue for him to be in the NBA. And as sad as I am to see him leave Michigan, I really liked him at Michigan. The culture and the um, environment that he built Michigan basketball into and the success that he had there, it's sad to see him go. But to your point, I mean, this is overdue. He's kind of been longing for this shot at the NBA uh, to, you know, really see what he can do. And especially with how much we hear about, um, you know, college basketball being so shady. I mean, look, I'm just going to throw this out there. Memphis, what? How is Memphis getting all these top guys? I, Penny Hardaway, 
would be so cool to play for. But if um, you're a five I star, like, I don't know. I, I think that's pretty clean, honestly. I really? Think, I, I think the players. I mean, these are the guys that grew up watching the back end of Penny Hardway's career. Uh, there's that draw to go play for you know what was one of the most electric players in the NBA during his career. I'm I, I honestly I don't believe that there's anything shady about that. I think that's really the draw of. I'm going to go play for a guy that killed it in the NBA. He's got all the the tricks up his sleeve to get me there. I mean, you look at what Vanderbilt's doing with Jerry Stackhouse. Right, They're right. able to get guys, too. I think it's just that natural Jerry Stackhouse proved going to play that. for a former NBA star. Jerry Stackhouse proved he could coach, though, in the, in and, the G and, and League. Look at Georgetown, but, too, with Patrick Ewing. I yeah, mean, they're, that's they're true. All these, all these schools that are, are bringing going in to these big-time player. former yeah. players, they're all doing pretty well recruiting, and I don't think it's – well, now we're going to start paying players because I don't think Memphis was, you know, paying, paying players before I, they brought in. Uh, the, the thing is, way. for me, with Memphis, it's another personal opinion. Like, it's Memphis. Like, like Vanderbilt, Nashville. Oh, come on. The don't, academics. Don't, don't hate on the state that, of Tennessee. Like, come like, on. Like, like, Nashville, sweet. Vanderbilt, Awesome academics. Georgetown is Georgetown for basketball. Yeah, you got that history. The, yeah. Memphis. Memphis. Like, like Memphis. I, I just, I don't know. Like, if you're five-star, you can go to Carolina Duke. Like, you go anywhere you want. Is Penny Hardaway really just enough to make you be like, oh, I'm going to Memphis? I I, I, I think he is for some of right, people. I, I, I really do. I mean, it, and like, and if, if the team flops and all these top prospects don't, you know, succeed under him, out, then yeah. I think you'll see right away that the whole notion flip that we don't want to go play for Penny Hardaway. Right, right. Maybe it becomes more of an Avery Johnson situation where he isn't able to get any big recruits. But yeah. I think when you look at the career he had, there's just that. Uh, that kind of halo around him, where oh, this guy is so, you know such a special talent. You know he had such a great career. I can go play for him, and he's gonna get me to that NBA level. I, I like you know all jokes aside, I like Penny Hardaway a lot, and I hope Memphis. I hope it does pan out. It'd be cool to see another team emerge and challenge the Blue Bloods. Uh, so I do hope it pans out. I also hope it's clean. But um, and one more thing about you know Patrick Ewing is my favorite coaching line ever. Uh, that clip of him. Do you practice that shot? <laughs> do, do you work on that shot? So you know, like, yeah. I mean, the, it's cool to see these uh, older players that have such good legacies coming and coach college basketball. But um, you know, back to Beeline. Sad to see him go. Um, don't necessarily wish the Cavaliers success, but I hope that he has a great year and enjoys it. It's everything that he would like it to be. He deserves the it. The thing is, I think he's going to be able to succeed there because. He's, he's so good at developing, developing young yeah. players. I mean, you look at what he did at Michigan with Trey Burke, Karis LeVert, Glenn Robinson III, uh, Tim Hardway Jr., all these guys that necessarily, not necessarily were top prospects by any stretch of the imagination, but he carved them into NBA players, developed them into the players that they were able to take their talents to the NBA and become what they have done you know, in their careers in the NBA. And you, know, you look at what Cleveland has. They have Chetty Osmond. They have... Um, Sexton. Colin Sexton. For some, for some reason, his name was escaping my mind. Yeah. And then they have the fifth pick in the draft. So yep. they have some of those those young pieces there to uh, you know, have Beeline work with. Then you have Kevin Love, who I think is going to do great things under Beeline just because you look back at what Michigan did with their big men yeah. in the past. And He's I think be Kevin Love is a guy that fits that John yep. Beeline style offense. Uh, if he's healthy, he will play really good under Beeline. Yeah. And, yeah. and I, I think he will be. He's not like necessarily a huge injury prone guy like to the top extent but uh hopefully we see him come back next year i just don't 
I just don't like. I'm a hater. I'm sorry, but I just don't want to see Cleveland. Like, I, I, I had like Cleveland had their time. It's time for us to come back and own Cleveland. So as much as I love John Beeline, just please don't make the Pistons look foolish for not hiring you. Well, that's the thing. That's that, what I was gonna go yeah. into is is last year <laughs> they before they them. they before they brought in Dwayne Casey, they interviewed John Beeline for the job, and there was a a, a very real idea that he was going to be the next head coach but then once Dwayne Casey got fired the Pistons were able to bring him in and they decided to hire him but man I mean you know John Beeline was pretty much going to become oh, yeah. the he, Pistons head coach. That's Stefanski and, said that that he that that was the guy if mm-hmm. if and I the Pistons did the right thing if you have an established NBA head coach that is coach yeah the you year, can't you, you can't not Take him right, um, but yeah, Beeline and obviously Beeline there's a lot of interest there. I think the reason he took the Cleveland job is also it's in the Midwest region and you know still close to what home is for him. So, um, but yeah, I mean that that was almost a Pistons head coach, so it's gonna be weird seeing him play us four, five, six times next year, uh, especially if you're a big Michigan fan. I mean, it's gonna tear you up a little bit. Yeah, but. well, and, and for Michigan, this is a program now that is going to be walking on very thin ice, losing Beeline. You would assume that Jordan Poole uh, is going to remain in the draft alongside Charles Matthews and Ignace Brazadegas. Yeah. Um, so they lose, you know, their three best players. Um, and then they, they, they lose a big-time recruit that they already committed did, yeah. to Michigan. He, you know, he decommitted. Fast. And that was then, like a day after right. Beeline got hired, he's out. So. Right. And then defensive specialist Luke Yalik is being recruited by Shaka Smart to leave the Michigan program. So, and, and that's a guy that I thought could come in and, and, and take over for Beeline. Yeah. But you know, if he gets pulled away to another program, that'd be a big loss for Michigan as well. And I'm sure Michigan... You know, would would give him an interview, would look into making him the head coach, but you gotta think Michigan's gonna be trying to go for a big name. They, yeah, absolutely. So I, I don't know if he would have ended up becoming the head coach at Michigan. I think I would have been fine with it. I would have been they fine. Been going yeah. for a big name, rather hiring, than internally. hiring internally. Yeah, but that, that will be a big loss for Michigan, assuming. He oh leaves. yeah, yeah. It, this program, you know, you lose your head coach, you lose your top assistant, you lose your top recruit, and then you lose your top three players. All of a wow. sudden, things get very <laughs> dicey for this program. Right. I mean, you still have Xavier Simpson. You still have John Teske for another year. But after that, it's kind of worrisome. And you have your role players. You have, you know, Isaiah Livers. Um, but it's just not – there's just not enough there. There's right a lot now. of questions There's now. a lot of questions. I, I think for me the thing is, is I would – if I was a Michigan fan, I'd be fine hiring internally. Absolutely. Because the culture that was built with that staff – was so good that it. I don't think it would hurt to just pull somebody right up, especially with how unexpected Beeline leaving was. I mean, last year he kind of flirted with it. This year nobody had really thought about it. I didn't even know that he went to I, interview. Right. I, it was only thought about because it was the Pistons, and there was a right. lot of media hype around Beeline going to interview with the Pistons. This was just a shock out of nowhere. Yeah. I, I, I think, you know, if you're a Michigan fan, the positives that you look at um, – you know, Chrysler Arena is one of the best college basketball arenas in the country. And Ann Arbor is one of the best college towns in the country. University of Michigan Academics is some of the best in the country. You know, and it has a good basketball history. I Getting a great coach is not going to be hard. It's just going to be about getting the right coach. And getting recruits is not going to be too hard. Um, 
you know, I think that people worry about, you know, like, it's not like, oh, Beeline didn't get so many five stars. Well, part of that was because John Beeline knew who he wanted, and it didn't matter to him what how many he stars he had. And, and he wouldn't pay those players yeah, to come to Michigan. Right. He didn't pay. He was all like, clean. These other he's schools all are being clean. found out to do. And he never was going to do that, and I think that was part of the reason That's why part he of left. It. It's not because they don't want to go to Michigan. These teams who are paying aren't getting in trouble for, for what they've done. So how can so you compete? How, how can, can you compete? compete? Like, and he's come up short in the national championship twice. a couple times. Yeah. You know, he loses to Texas Tech, who made it to the national championship. You know, it's it, it's tough to see for him, and you gotta you gotta just kind of understand for as, I as long as it. you coach and as tough as you coach and as much as you develop. There's only so much you can do when these teams are able to regroup every year with yep. multiple five stars. And, and, and he's not a one and done guy, right? The, so you know, he's a developer. Yeah, and Ignis Las Vegas is going to be kind of that that lone mm-hmm. one, one and done kind of guy under a And a I don't John even D-line think he should be leaving. Right. So. There's he should not be leaving with the season he had. Yeah. But I think it, with this week of a draft class, he can kind of get he away can get with away it. with it, right? But yeah, I mean absolutely for Beeline like respect to him. He's like I'm not going to do it the way that other people are doing it and I've proved myself that I can get all the way to the final game doing it the right way, but you know, that last game a lot of times it's going to come down to how much talent, like pure talent you have in a big game like that. And it's like, how if when you're 70 years old, how many more years do you want to put all of that into it to get to that final game and hope that you can just have the game of your, your life and go for it? I mean, he really achieved everything that he needed to at Michigan, and there's so much to be proud of for him. And congratulations to him for for taking the new position in the NBA, and I, I really hope the best for him there because uh, he deserves it, especially the way he does it the right way. But back to the point that we just made, you know, if North Carolina is creating fake classes and Duke's paying people and, you know, you just got all these five stars coming in and you're trying to develop guys, you know, like Trey Burke, like, was so good in his third year. Like, you know, it's not it's not like Michigan, he comes and develops them in one summer. It takes a couple of years that he builds up. And, you know, he doesn't have that many years left coaching. So, you know, it was just, it was time. And 12 years is a long time at one school now in, in college. But I want to hear what you think about who who do you think, I, I saw the odds that came out in Vegas for, for who they think they're going to hire. Uh, who do you like? I, I think the guy that I, I like outside of Yalik is, um, Jawan Howard. Yeah, he was a guy that, that I was also looking at as a Piston candidate last year. But I think with his history with the program of Michigan being a former player, you know, we see how foreign players have done recruiting-wise. Uh, you know, we just talked about that on, yeah. the, on this podcast here for, you know, a good five minutes. We talked about the former those players. foreign players and what they've been able to do recruiting-wise. I think he's a guy that would, you know, be a good transitional player coach for the program he would do good in the recruiting trails and he, he brings that that NBA pedigree that NBA experience to the table that's kind of the guy that I've kind of zoned he's in he's quiet you know a very very quiet sneaky good coach in the NBA because he retired a heat guy and just kind of slid right into coaching right. and worked his way up that staff and NBA players really respect him as a coach. They, oh, and, and they and love the him. Thing. They really respect him. I mean, watching him coach the summer league for Miami Heat oh, yeah. year after year, those teams are good. they did not They're, quit yeah. and they played well. Yeah, you know, he's a guy that gets players to play hard. You know, they play his you know what whatever you know he says to do, they do it. Right, and I think that would be a, a good replacement for Beeline that unfortunately you have to make. That wouldn't be uh, 
the worst hire. But let's wrap up this podcast by talking about some NBA playoffs. Yeah, let's do it. The, the team that took down the Pistons in the first round, the Milwaukee Bucks, they came back and beat the Toronto Raptors in the first game of that series. Took a, you know, they they made their their comeback efforts in the third, and then ultimately took over in the fourth quarter. Mm-hmm. They ended up beating a Toronto team that got Kyle Lowry's best performance of the playoffs. Yeah. He scored thirty. Kawhi Leonard scored thirty, but just didn't get enough outside of that. Anyone else? Where was everybody else? At? It, 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 was, it was bad. The fourth quarter, I don't think anybody else made a field goal other than those two players. Yeah, it was. I it, read that. It was uh, very bad for yeah. Toronto, but Milwaukee. Steals a game that I think Toronto should have won, uh, but of course Milwaukee was the home team anyway, so it can only be and it steal was jumping. so much. It was jumping. But that home court advantage that game. If anybody who watched that game, Pfizer Forum, they, it was hopping and outside. It was cool, and I really, you know, side topic just real quick. I really hope LCA gets to experience that because it's the they call it the Deer District. We have the District Detroit that's developing. When that's all done, I mean that home court advantage for a smaller market like Milwaukee is incredible. Like that the atmosphere watching that game was phenomenal. Sold out. There are another thousand people at that bar outside to watch on the big screen and then another bunch of people just hanging out with the TNT guys outside. I mean, that's hard to beat. Uh, like Toronto, you, I think that might have been a big part of it in that fourth quarter. That home court advantage was really impressive and cool to see by Milwaukee. Well, do, do we think that Milwaukee's going to... I picked Milwaukee in seven. Do you think Milwaukee's going to win this series? Yeah. Did, did game one change your mind in no, any way? No, no. I, I, I'm a... I'm not swayed that the Raptors' postseason magic is is just going to keep going. I, it, it took it took Kawhi Leonard for the magic to not or not the magic. It took Kawhi Leonard for the Matt for the uh, Raptors wow, for the Raptors <laughs> to not choke away this postseason so far. You know, seven games with Philly, and obviously the point I do want to make about the Magic losing that first game to them. It, it's taken a top five player in the NBA for them to not choke in the playoffs. And I just don't see how they're going to beat a team as loaded as Milwaukee. Um, I'm not sure how many games I think it's going to go. Personally, I really do think it's going to be a gentleman's sweep, like five. Like I, I just don't see. Like, Milwaukee is so good. They're a very, very good basketball team. Well, that's the thing. I, I think it, it, it was Milwaukee wasn't really even trying in the first half. And then, they kind of they turned, turned up the on. gears in the, in the third quarter and ultimately took it over in the fourth quarter and were able to win that game. And you know, I think that's kind of what we're seeing with Golden State as well. I mean, you look at game two last night. Oh, Blazers yeah. up big. They and were that, so confident that third the quarter whole game. comes and all of a sudden Golden State ties it up going into the fourth and they pull away. And, you know, the Milwaukee kind of taking that mindset, that mentality that Golden State has manifested, and they've been doing that for years where they mm-hmm. just – Somehow they find a way to turn it up in the third quarter. Milwaukee's doing that right now in the Eastern Conference, and, and, and they were leading their series. And Golden State now up 2-0 on Portland, and probably Portland's best chance to beat Golden State. I mean, maybe they'll be yeah. able to take them. Take it's going to be hard to play better than what they back did. Back at home. Yeah. But on the road against Golden State, when you have to win a game at, uh, away, that was probably going to be their it. best chance. Yeah, yeah I agree um, with you. You know, Kevin Durant's still out for game three and four, so maybe Portland can catch them one game, maybe two. If they tie it up, great for them. But ultimately, I think Golden State's got a, a very yeah. strong lock on that series right now. I'm ready for them to book it to the finals. I like. I love Dame. I love CJ. I like Portland. But like my interest in watching this series after I guess my heart just got broke yesterday after watching. Like you know, I told my father this. The whole game, it like looked like Golden State was playing at the park, like just having fun. 
Like, they're losing by 17. They're like, oh, you know. Like, like the last five minutes of the game when they were still down, there it just if you didn't have the score up there and you just turned the game on, there's no way you would have thought Golden State was losing. Like, the confidence and how good they know they are from head coach to last role player is just unbelievable. And... Um, you know, I, I think it's destined that they're going to go back to the finals, which I'm totally fine with because I really want to see that Milwaukee-Golden State matchup. And um, my last reminder for the other series is that should Toronto lose, they will still have a whole zero Eastern Conference championships. So, And, and I don't know how much that means to people now with the talk of going to 1-16 to format, but our Detroit Pistons were sitting at 7 still. So, you know, I'd like to keep Toronto out of, of getting one as the Pistons are still one of the top teams in Eastern Conference history and championships. So I'm really pulling for Milwaukee. And I don't think Portland has too much of a, a shot left. Yeah, I think Dame's got to be better. I know he scored 23 last night, but when you're playing the best team in the NBA, you have to be better than that. And he didn't have a, a very good series against Denver either. You know, he had a great first series was all not too good Mm-mm. against Denver. And he's got to be better than what he did last night uh, against Golden State. He's just going to have to be. Yeah. You know, CJ McCollum has really picked it up uh, for them and has done a lot there. But they need more from their best player if they're even going to compete in this series any longer. But that's going to wrap it up for us here on the Palace of Pistons podcast. I want to thank Dom Gutierrez for coming in and replacing Brendan Johnson and Ryan Pay, who bailed on me again last minute. <laughs> um, but... Dom came in and we put together a very good show a great without time. them. And we always appreciate Dom coming in and, and stepping in. We've had him on the podcast before a couple times. Had him here today again. But, again, that's going to do it for us here for Episode 65 of the Palace of Pistons podcast. We'll be back, ne- be back next week with plenty more draft talk, free agency talk, trade talk, all that good stuff and more. So we'll see you here on the Palace of Pistons podcast.